Bangarang Radio, Bangarang Radio, BangarangRadio.com. I'm going out, I gotta go, I'll Bangarang on the radio, so turn it up, I'm telling you, I think I'm ready for something new. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya, hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques L'Amour. Welcome in, grab a slice, and dig in. I'm Jacques L'Amour. It's so great to have you here. Pop Punk and Pizza ruined my life, and Pop Punk and Pizza saved my life. Merchandise is now for sale at bangerangradio.com forward slash merch. T-shirts, there's tank tops, there's hoodies, there's even masks, uh, phone cases, and more are all available now. So if you're looking for a way to support the podcast, please visit bangerangradio.com forward slash merch and buy something today. And uh, thank you in advance for your support. So if you follow Pop Punk and Pizza podcast on social media, I promised you that I would have more women from the scene as guests on the podcast. I haven't done enough of that, honestly. So we're changing that right now. So please welcome uh, Talina, and I'm going to probably butcher your last name, but I'm going to give it a whirl. Uh, Is it Chamaki? Chikami. Chikami. See, and I don't just, worry. You're not the first. Everybody butchers it. <laughs> I'm sure. And it's so funny because I kept saying to myself before we did this, I'm like, Okay, it's got to be Chikami, Chikami. And then, of course, I just said it wrong. <laughs> That's um, not the worst version of it I've heard. So, what's totally the worst? Fine. What's the worst version? I used to get Chikatami a lot. Chikat. Like, there's no tea. There's no tea in there. <laughs> Chikatami. That sounds like something you eat. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, it sounds delicious, but that's not my name. But it is. <laughs> but you got Talina. I got that. I, I mean, Talina, so, it's spelled out for you. <laughs> you I know, blame, like. I blame my parents. They gave me <laughs> the mouthful of a name. Yeah. So, Chikami. Yes. Okay. Uh, the lead vocalist of Southern California ska punk band Bite Me Bambi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. You are welcome. It is so great to have you here. And I have, uh, ever since I was introduced to you guys back in, I think it was in February, when you uh, released Hot Lava, which, by the way, has been stuck in my head all day long today. Um, Yay! <laughs> I've just been hooked. I'm like, who are these guys? Where did they come from? You know? And I know you're relatively newish to the ska punk scene. Yeah, as a band, we're relatively new, but as individual people, we've all been around for a while. Um, we're comprised of former members of Safe Ferris, my superhero, um, Starpool, and then I was in a band called Karate in the Garage that played sort of in the SoCal ska punk scene for a while. So um, we've all been around, but it wasn't until, oh gosh, when was that? It's 20, like 2018 that we decided to kind of all band together and, and form a new group and it's been uh, fun so far <laughs> i mean it it sounds refreshing but it also sounds familiar and i think that's probably what pulled me in i think it's a it definitely like i have a perfect blend of of two-tone but also third wave in there and um i think that's what kind of makes it appealing because like myself um, you know, I was introduced to third wave ska, and I didn't really know too much about two-tone until a little bit later on, so I'm still actually getting familiar with two-tone, so I, I still am, uh, am diving into that world, because to me, they're just so different. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think the whole evolution of ska music is super fascinating um, and so how it sort of makes this weird uh, roundabout kind of circle of starting in Jamaica, uh, in Jamaica and they're hearing like R&B blues come over the radio um, from America and then they blend it with, you know, their own music and then we get ska and then it travels to England and then, you know, we get two-tone ska and then it comes back to the U.S. for third wave and now it's all over the world. But it's uh, definitely interesting. But it's nice to say that you hear the two-tone in there. We're all really big two-tone fans. That was my first introduction into ska was two-tone um, from my dad. And so I grew up listening to a lot of that. And so we all 
our fans is that we wanted that influence to be heard. We didn't just want it to have like the SoCal, uh, you know, third wave sound, which we love and we have that too, but we were trying to, you know, make sure we incorporated some of the roots in there. Yeah, as well. and and I feel like you guys do a, a great job with that, and have definitely have more of that sound than pre you know previous or from the the third wave bands I guess that come out of SoCal. And I don't I don't know what is it in your opinion what is it about Orange County that is like it's just like a hotbed for for ska music <laughs> like I don't, like I don't know what it is but it's just like you know it's the place. You know- Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of right place, right time. Just people were making great music in the 90s here. And, it, you know, one person gets picked up and sort of every record label is looking for their version of that, you know. And so I think, you know, you get No Doubt or whoever gets picked up and then suddenly everyone's looking for a No Doubt or everyone's looking for a ska band. And I think it's never the genre has never left here. Like, I know a lot of people say, like, oh, Scum, I liked that in high school. But, like, here, like, no, everybody's liked it always, kind of, you know? <laughs> That's what I it's mean. Like, of, how does that... Yeah, it, it dips in and out of popularity, but Ska never goes away. I mean, it's got a legacy, you know? And so here, people just have kept going. And when I started playing in the scene, it was really small. But it was fun, you know? it's We have a really cool scene here where doesn't matter who you are or what you're like. If you come and you're a cool person, you'll immediately meet people. Everyone's super welcoming. And, you know, we run the gamut of like race and sexual orientation and religions. And all. I've met so many fascinating and different people from being involved in the scene. And everyone comes together and have a great time. So even when there was like 50 kids at a show to now, you know, we can we're starting to grow a little more. You get like 300, 400, you know, whatever, up to however many people you have at a show. But you know, it's always in flux, but it's always there. And so I think in Orange County, it's always sort of around as a genre. <laughs> so that's why people keep making it. That's why they keep being Orange County ska bands, I guess. Yeah, I, I think I need to move. <laughs> <laughs> need to move. Although, I mean, Chicago has a really good music scene, but ska is not like the the thing here, obviously. We have a lot of sad pop punk bands that you know, hey, that's that got its knows. place too. Oh know? no, it does. It does for sure. But are like, the Flame ITs from Chicago? Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. We have a mutual friend. That's why I know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, I have interviewed uh, Tom, the lead vocalist. Oh, nice. Um, Tom is not nice. not on the podcast, but um, on on the uh, radio station I work for. They did a they did a, a show that was. Um, linked to one of the the theaters that we used to do like advertising for and so they wanted oh, to cool. yeah they wanted to promote their show and yeah it was cool to cool to talk to tom he's a amazing songwriter yeah definitely at least i Very always talented. thought so but but yeah um so so how are you adjusting to uh the pandemic world i saw that you were having trouble trying to figure out where to put your masks the other day. So did you solve that problem? (laughs) Yes, I did. Well, yeah, I've been keeping them in my underwear drawer, which I wasn't sure if that was weird. My clean ones in my underwear drawer. Um, But everyone had so many interesting ideas of where to keep your mask. But I, so following with COVID, I mean, we've been very lucky. Uh, Almost all, I think almost all of us have been able to keep our jobs, which has been really great. Um, and we're still being able to like write music and things and, um, work together. So that's been cool. It's been an adjustment since we've had all these summer tour plans and fall tour plans and none of them are happening, Mm -hmm. which was kind of a bummer. We're really excited. Um, but at the same time, we live in the internet age, which is kind of amazing. And so we kind of have become more of being in the YouTube business than the (laughs) playing live shows business. Um, but so we've had to adapt, but we've been lucky that people are still willing to watch and engage with us online and everything. I mean, I, I really think some of the things that happened since the pandemic, like one of them was we trended on a page on Reddit. I don't think that would have ever happened. Wow. Had there not been a pandemic. So maybe not. That was kind of cool. Yeah, it was, it was neat. to. I don't know. I you bet know. you would have. You know, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe not right I'm away. I'm just happy but... to show people that Ska's not dead. 
you know, every time like we get, you know, something random like that happens, I'm like, see everybody, Scott's not dead. You just thought it died. We're all still here. <laughs> right. And I, I don't know. I've never understood. Um, there's, I can't remember his name in particular, but there's a guy on YouTube and he talks about different genres and why they died. And I'm like, okay, well, none of these genres ever died. They just, <laughs> they're just not in the, the mainstream media's eyes anymore, you know? I think the, the video I first saw of him, he was talking about, I think he was talking about skate punk. And then he was talking about like post-hardcore and, you know, just like there was a video for like each genre and why it's dead. And I'm like, that makes that's stupid. <laughs> that's silly. Yeah, because it doesn't die. I mean, it's all, you know, things evolve and change. But, I mean, with, like, ska, I mean, people are playing it all over the world. It's amazing, you know? And it's still popular all over the world. And what's so cool about the internet is that you can meet people from all over the world who have this shared interest you have. And we can all kind of, like, nerd out about it, which I think is super cool. And um, I don't know if you saw the uh, ska movie... Uh, yes, I did. I saw that in New York City when uh, they had uh, Scott Klompenstein from uh, Real Big Fish. Oh, he yeah, was out yeah. there. I interviewed him on the podcast a couple years ago. I think it was in 2018. And then when the premiere came in uh, 19 for the, or the, I guess the showing, not the premiere, but they did a showing out in New York City. I went out there because uh, my brother lives out there. Um, so yes, I did. Long story short, sorry. I did see the movie. <laughs> no, yeah, I love what, um, I believe her name is Heather, the woman who did like a lot of the writing for the movie. She says like, um, you know, some people, you say ska, I'm paraphrasing here, but she says, you know, you, you, you say ska and some people are like, oh yeah, I heard of that. Some people are like ska and they go like, no, I get it. And I get you <laughs> and I love it. And like, those are the people you want to surround yourself with. And so I think that's a, a very cool thing that it spans you know, languages and countries and, and, and borders and people can all come together and appreciate it as a style of music. Yeah, it's it's really amazing how it's it's touched so many different countries and and I guess it can go for any genre too, but there's just there's still something just special about ska in particular that that brings so many different corners and, and races together in, in the world and uh, you can celebrate you know, life together that way. And, and the Scott movie well, yeah. was just captured it so perfectly. I, I felt like, and I, I learned a lot from that movie that I, that I didn't know before. Yeah. Taylor and Ray did a super great job with that film. And I think, I think you're right. Scott really has that power. And I think it's because it, it's born out of unity, like two-tone Scott the black and white checkers are about black and white people, you know, playing in unity together and showing a united front. And I think that it's always been about, you know, the, you know, anti-racism, anti-homophobia. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, like, just come enjoy the music, you know, and I think... I think that's really cool. Like what Mark, uh, Mike Park did with Scott Against Racism. Like, there's always sort of been this like unity theme throughout everything. And I think it's a special thing about the genre and it makes me proud to be a part of a genre that's like that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I didn't actually realize um, a lot of that until I watched ska movie. I mean, I remember knowing a little bit about that when I first had started learning about ska when I was, you know, I was probably eight or nine or 10 somewhere around there, but I didn't realize that there were so many people upset about when third wave came out and there wasn't enough of that unity message getting across. And I didn't realize there was so many people upset about that because they kind of felt like, you know, the genre wasn't being portrayed correctly. Yeah. I mean, it does get sort of this rap in like mainstream media of being like party music, frat music. And I mean, that exists. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think just people need to understand that the genre is more than just one thing. But then again, like how many people want to sit there and listen to you, like give them the history of ska music? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, um, I, mean... I mean, Karen Roberts, you know, Karen Roberts, she's the singer, former singer of Chase Long Beach. Um, 
she's a really good friend of mine, but we one time were in an Uber and we were a little tipsy and that poor Uber driver had to get the history of ska music like while we're driving. Oh my gosh. And I was like, that poor woman, she did not want to know all that, but (laughs) we decided that she She, needed to learn about it. it, Yeah. It's like, listen, you need to learn how this, you know, how this all works out. Oh man. Um, So speaking of ska, we'll get back to uh, bite, uh, bite me Bambi. What in the world is the story behind strippers on a Sunday? Like, I got to know. I, I got to know if there's a story or if it's just like, obviously, you know, ska music, aside from fighting against racism, is also known just to have like the silliest ass songs you've ever heard in your life. Um, and uh, this is one of those fun, silly songs. But, you know, there's there's usually a good story behind it. Well, this... <laughs> or, or am I going to be disappointed? No, no. This one's kind of funny. So um, I like to uh, frequent certain establishments and support the local joints? sex workers. Oh. I like to support the local sex workers, give them my money. Um, and so, like, it would be a fun thing we do on a Sunday. We'd go, like, do a bub- park... Bleh pub crawl with some of my friends we do like our own little bar crawl and then we end up at the strip club and it became a joke with my friends frank and paul and kind of all of us about like going to titty brunch is what we would call i'm sorry can i swear on here oh yeah no 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 yeah no is this is just it's a podcast on my own it's not affiliated with anybody but me so i have a kind of a dirty mouth sometimes i probably should ask (laughs) well we're about to talk about strippers so i mean i feel like they go hand in hand right so you know i enjoy some entertainment so we were joking about titty brunch and there are some strip clubs that serve like a brunch breakfast or whatever really yeah brunch buffet and so we were joking about it and so i don't know why but it's like really late it's like one in the morning and like brian mashburn the guitar player and i are like sitting and we're trying to like think of songs and somehow strippers on a sunday i was like oh frank and i and paul were joking about titty brunch blah, blah. and we just start writing the song and we're laughing so hard and we're like this is the funniest thing and we finish it and then we're like okay if this is still funny tomorrow we'll send it to people <laughs> And so we're like, cool, because there's been a couple of songs that have just died on that cutting room floor of like, it was not funny the next day. Um, But that one still was. And so we recorded a demo and sent it to everybody. And then um, T-Bone, our trombone player, is like a really big supporter of like the funny song. And so he Mm -hmm. was like really championing it to be the first single. And so that's what we did. Oh, my gosh. um, The video was super fun to shoot. And we found um, some friends who were willing to get in on it and have a good time. So it turned out great. I was really happy with it. I think it sort of shows that we're like a little dirty and like a little funny and, you know, a little edgy, I guess. I don't know. I just think it's kind of fun. <laughs> I think your name already says that. And Strippers <laughs> on a Sunday just kind of like reassures, you know, reassures that. So because you think you think like. Okay, bite me, Bambi. So Bambi is just uh, cute, right? Sounds like somebody cute, but then you put the word bite in it, and you're like, oh, you know, Bambi's not only cute, but there's a little bit of a, you know, a, a snarl or something there. You know, there's there's yeah. a, some uh, yeah some dirty minds or something i don't know i'm just i'm just <laughs> i wish i put that head. much thought into the name instead of picking it out of the josie and the pussycat script but yeah <laughs> oh, is that is that where it comes from yeah we couldn't think of a band name and so i read scripts of movies on the suggestion of t-bone because this is how he had picked or tried to pick a band name before and josie and the pussycats movie was the movie that made me want to be in a band and be a musician when i was a little girl and so I just started reading him within the first couple pages. One of the characters says, oh, bite me, Bambi. And I said, bite me, Bambi. And then I texted everybody and they were like, uh, yeah, we couldn't think of anything better. Sounds good. Yeah. And uh, we went with it. But <laughs> That's perfect. So was that, did that come first for you wanting to be in a band as a kid or, or was it acting? Because I know uh, you're also an actress as well. Yeah, well, I've always been a ham. Um, you can ask my parents. I'd like be like, can you watch me do a show? Like, I was that kid. Like, that was so annoying. My All my parents' poor friends, like, had to sit and watch me, like, 
sing and dance and all this stuff. And so I started doing musical theater as a child. And that was like, I was about that life. And then I started doing television and movies. Um, and I saw the Josie and the Pussycats movie and I was like, that would be so cool. And I want to be in a band and all this stuff. And I sort of picked up instruments and put them down a lot throughout my life. My uncle was a big influence, always trying to get me to play instruments and stuff. And I sort of just didn't have the right mindset or patience for it when I was younger. Um, and then my ex was always in bands. And so I don't even remember, but that's how Karate in the Garage got started, the first band I was really ever in. That's a badass was, name, by the way. Thanks. Karate <laughs> in the Garage. I kind that's... of formed that band together, and I don't even remember so long ago. It was like 10 years ago. And I'm like, but somehow I ended up saying like, okay, yeah, like I'll be in this band. I started taking guitar lessons and, and everything, and it sort of evolved from there. Um, but it's crazy because it's like my whole identity now. It's like being in a ska band and I love that. And I feel like this is like who I was always meant to be. I always say like, I wish I'd found this kind of earlier. I think it would have helped a lot with some of my like feeling different and weird in school uh, if I had found my people earlier. But hey, what are you gonna do here now? So that's what's important. But I think um, it's uh, yeah, that's sort of how it all came about. I think I'd always wanted to do it. I just didn't know how. And somebody finally was like, hey, get on over here. Let's do it. And that's like totally evolved into what it is today. <laughs> so was it guitar that you put down and, and picked back up? Or was it just multiple instruments when you? Multiple. Because I took voice lessons. So there was like piano, guitar, bass, drums. I really wanted to play drums, which I'm terrible at. I don't know why I thought like that would be a good idea. I could totally like, buy you see a you. drum set if you practice. I never practice. <laughs> I could I totally see good. you behind a kid. I could definitely <laughs> see you doing that. Oh no, I'm so bad at it. I have a <laughs> lot of respect for drummers. Like I'm horrible at it. And then guitar finally, I just settled on it because in Karate in the Garage we just needed a rhythm guitarist. And my ex boyfriend was like, "Well, do you want to do it?" And I was like, "I'll try." And so I started taking guitar lessons, and I really liked it. And so I stuck with it. <laughs> That's awesome. And then lo and behold, Bite Me Bambi comes along. Yep. That was, you know, here it is. You yeah. made it. <laughs> you did. And, uh, you know, that'll that'll continue. Um, I, I've got great feelings about it. Um, but I'm really curious to know more about the acting side. Um, how, I, obviously you're in California, so you're in obviously the perfect location for tv shows and movies but how did you make it on to a set what was that first experience like well um i was like 15 which is the worst time to get an agent i would say uh, so because you're weird looking and <laughs> yeah they're like <laughs> eh, i don't know what you. we can do with you but we'll figure something out yeah and so i just auditioned a lot. I mean, that's really what that business boils down to is just like auditioning and auditioning and not like giving up when people tell you, no, you're horrible or you're too fat or, you know, you're too Asian or you're not Asian enough. I mean, those are a lot of things people told me. If anything, um, I would like me personally, um, you're not the most Asian looking person I've seen. <laughs> so I'm just like, OK, she's Asian, right? But, you know, I'm like, kind of like, uh, maybe she is just, you know. No, yeah, I know. I always say I grew up to like be a white person. I'm half Japanese. When I was little, I was very Japanese. And now I look pretty ambiguous. But <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, just like growing up in the industry is just a lot of rejection and stuff. And then just get little parts here, little parts there. A lot of like Disney Channel, Nickelodeon stuff when I was younger. And it just sort of grows and grows and you know, sort of keep at it. I've taken a break right now from it. It's just, I was just wanting to focus more on music and everything. Um, but it's something that I could see myself going back to at some point. And I've always loved being an actor. Um, but it's just a lot of your time and energy. <laughs> I just wanted to focus on Bite Me Bambi. Yeah. And it was like you said, you're, you're constantly going to these auditions and it's never guaranteed. And you have to keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that. And then you finally land one and it's maybe it's just one thing. And but that one thing could lead you to another thing. And it's definitely true. That's totally how the business works. Um, you just have to put in the time and, and everything. And I just 
was like, you know what? You know who I like being me on stage playing ska music. So I want to do more of that. <laughs> there you go. Um, I did cruise on over your IMDb and I did see that you were on an episode of Glee. Yes, I was. And I gave the guy in a wheelchair an STD. How that could was you the do that? The episode. <laughs> Why would you do that to somebody? We all that is like the worst thing. About it. How could that's so weird that you, you you go you audition for it? They're like, she looks like a girl that would give somebody an STD. You know well, what? Let's I've cast her. To be like punk rock girl, that was like the thing. Why right? is it always was... the punk rock girl? Why? I don't know. So, but yeah, I was always like edgy girl, punk girl, homeless girl, drug addict girl, like all that kind of stuff. I did a lot of that. <laughs> Man, always putting off the wrong image. I tell you. Um, so I, I was, I was, guess I was bringing that up because Glee has, has been all over the news because of uh, Naya Riviera, uh, who just tragically passed away as as i'm sure you know yeah, it's so sad it really is um you know i i have a three-year-old son and so hearing about her son who's just four and just putting myself in that situation is just it's insane to think about so i didn't know if you had any memories of her no. or you had any short passing with her on set or had learned anything no, I about did her not work with her at all but from everything I've heard from other people she was a lovely person and it's just super heartbreaking that uh she passed so young it's like oh gosh mm -hmm. at 32 in front of you. I think yeah it's so sad yeah super young and to have a young child I, I can't imagine it's mm -hmm. just heartbreaking yeah I, I can't either what was one of your favorite tv shows or or movies I, I think it was mostly tv shows that I saw on your IMDb, but what was your, your favorite one or a couple of your favorites? Hmm. Well, Glee was really fun because we got to do like a dance number and they shut down the streets in downtown LA. We, you know, they had like cars with headlights on. It was like a music video. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. um, I also really enjoyed Parks and Rec because Amy Poehler directed my episode. Oh, that's that badass. On. Yeah. So that was really cool. Like, she's always been one of my like heroes. Um, and so it was really awesome to get to meet her and Aubrey Plaza. I worked with her and she was like super great, super nice. And it was just a really fun experience to get to work with all those incredibly talented people. So what kind of direction did you get from Amy? That, <laughs> if you remember, like, well, do from... you want to hear a story of me messing up? It's pretty funny. Oh no, that's, that's so mean <laughs> to you though. No, it's hilarious. So oh, okay. there was like, the scene and I'm with Aubrey Plaza and we're like in this cafeteria and she's giving me advice. And like, my character was supposed to act just like her like deadpan. But at the end they were like, Oh, can you like give a little smile? Like you're appreciative of her advice. And I was like, yeah, sounds great. And so they're like, okay, action. And we do the scene. And I'd been so deadpan like all day that when I went to smile, my face made like a weird expression. That was not a smile. It looked like a grimace. And I was like, <laughs> they're like cut. And I'm like, Oh no. That was not correct. And Aubrey Plaza is so nice. And she goes like, hold on one second. She goes, hey, I messed up. Can we go again? And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so like I got to do it over because she knew I was like super uncomfortable with how that went down. Mm -hmm. It was very nice of her. But I was like, really, Talina, you couldn't smile like a normal human being. Like <laughs> you had one job. And I could not do it. Well, I recently had to smile on purpose in front of a camera and it can be hard. Like I hadn't been, you know, I hadn't had a video camera in front of my face and for a while. And so they're like, yeah, smile. And so it's just like, at that point, it's like, you got to make it natural on the fly. Right. So it's, it's harder to do than people realize. <laughs> Yeah, they my favorite too would be like commercial auditions where you don't say any words and they'd be like, Okay, smile like your dad just walked through the door. Okay, but smile less. Okay, a little bit more. Okay, thank you. And then like that would be the whole thing. And I drive all the way to Los Angeles just for like for that. an hour and a half in traffic just to do that. And then drive all the way home just for them to be like, Yeah, sorry, we didn't like the way you smiled. Like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> so it's so uh, literally those some of those auditions are just like I just watched La La Land for the first time um in the last couple months. 
and you know obviously seeing the the scenes where um oh my gosh why am i forgetting her name is it emma stone emma stone thank you um you know watching emma stone going through these auditions and either getting interrupted or you know like she doesn't even get to finish her line and they're just like okay bye that that's enough like I, I just always wondered if that is reality for the yeah for a lot of it i mean not always and there are casting directors who are like really nice and really helpful and i feel like the hardest part for an actor is feeling confident enough that when you go in, like it's your time and to take advantage of your time and to not sort of just go in and get out. Um, but that's like hard to kind of conquer to take your time. I once heard Chris Kattan auditioning and if you is from like Saturday night live. Yes. Um, I remember him. Yeah. I was like waiting to go in after him and I heard him auditioning and it totally changed my perspective because he would, he took his time and he'd go like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't like the way I did that. Can I do it again? And at that point, I was probably like 18 years old. Like I would never go like, oh, sorry, I messed up. Like, let me do it over, you know, or anything like that. I felt so like I had to go in and do it, like leave as quickly as possible or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it totally changed my perspective of like, no, it's your time. Like, you know, but yeah, I mean, you do get cut off or like oh, actually, we don't need you to come in or, oh, you know, whatever. Or another common thing is if they're trying to get a very famous person to sign a contract, um, they will bring in people to make them think that they're going to cast someone else. So you just get brought in just to, like, convince that other person to sign a contract. (laughs) Damn. That shit is cruel. Yeah, this is is like being a working actor. Like, that's (laughs) low man on the totem pole. Wow. Sort of spot. But I mean, it's not always like that. You know, like I said, I've met some really lovely casting people who are super awesome. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's like anything, you know. Right. People are, some people are great. Some people are, you know, terrible. <laughs> Have you ever seen the show episodes? Uh, No, I think I saw maybe one. Is that? No, no, I'm thinking of extra. I have not seen episodes. Um, Episodes is with uh, Matt LeBlanc and these two and this british couple and it's i think it's actually i think technically it's a british show um and but it was on i don't think it's on netflix anymore but it it was for a while and i watched the whole thing and it's literally just like the behind the scenes of this tv show that they're shooting and so much of uh like some of the things you just said like about you know, the trying to cast a, a well-known actor, but they're going to audition people anyway to make them sign a contract or whatever. Like that kind of stuff like happened <laughs> in this TV show. And so to hear like that, that actually happens is just wild. Oh yeah, it totally does. I would, did you ever watch Arrested Development? No, I never got into that show. Oh, there's this really great scene. This is what I always tell people. It's like, where um, David Cross's character wants to be an actor mm-hmm. and he goes to this casting call and everyone in the room looks exactly like him. And I'm like, that's what it's like. You walk <laughs> in and there's just a room full of people who kind of look like you and you're all going over your lines. Is that, is that, is that a mirror? Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> or... It's very odd and strange. And what's even weirder is sometimes you go in and they have like, like, so many different random types of people auditioning for a character. Cause like, it doesn't really matter like, you know, uh-huh. race or gender or whatever. And you're like, we're all reading for the same part. Like, that's weird. Like, I don't know. It's always weird. It's just a strange business. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I just always enjoy hearing about it, you know, cause it was, it was a, a dream of mine at, at one point in my life. So it's always, it's always fascinating to, to meet someone that that's worked in it or is still working in it and uh, hear their stories. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I don't know. Have you talked to Christian from the Aquabats? No, I've never talked to him. He was a child actor. What was so. he? I mean, I knew, obviously, he, you know, he's he's got background in, in television, but what it, what was he in as a child actor? I'm not sure. I want to say, I know he's been in like a bunch of stuff, but I feel like he was on like an episode of The Love Boat or something, but don't quote me on that. Oh my God. I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, I think he did a, a fair amount of stuff, but... Um, I don't know if people always ask me about that because we're both kind of in it. So being a, like a little kid actor is even like way different. So I'd be curious to hear his sort of insight on that. Cause I feel like that's even stranger. I was like 15. So it wasn't, you know, 
is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, right, the younger you are, usually the more bizarre it is. And it seems like you're either a child actor and that's all you are, or you, you come out of that and, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, they used to be in this when they were little and you had no idea, you know? Yeah. So it's... um. It's always interesting. And then there's people like, um, what, Haley, uh, Haley Joel Osment, um, how he was a, a, a child actor and then he kind of kind of left it for a while and then he came back and everyone's like, is that who I think it is? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he's still doing anything, but I know he was doing, what, a, a TV show or two, I think. Yeah, I know he does some of Kevin Smith's movies. Um, I think they're friends. I think I heard that, but yeah, yeah I know it's, it's definitely an interesting career and you can always come back to it, which is something that's interesting. My managers were like, you can always come back, like just call. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go be a ska lady now. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Speaking of, um, so it obviously besides trying to, you know, still operate with bite, uh, bite me Bambi during the, you know, pandemic during this quarantine what else have you been doing with your spare time and i, I bring that up you brought up ska games because i finally learned and this is kind of embarrassing i finally learned how to skank like i i literally could never skank before and then i finally <laughs> learned it and what's funny is that i didn't learn it to actual ska music i learned it to my son's music he likes to dance and so I can't, I can't remember what the, I think we were listening to like old McDonald or some, something That's like that. That's a great skanker. That's a <laughs> rager right there. And I finally like, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start working on this more. And I finally got it, you know. Um, That's great. You're going to be ready to hit the pit when everything opens up. I'm like, going to be, yeah, open up that pit, man. Right? Let me <laughs> Let me get my skanking on after, you know. <laughs> However many years I've been listening to ska and I can finally skank. Um, but yeah, what else, what else have you been doing with your time? Uh, well, a lot of uh, binge watching, some hiking. We're very lucky to be in Southern California so we can get out, do hiking, and um, a lot of cocktail making and wine drinking. <laughs> of course. You've got, I, I, I keep reading almost weekly about how much more wine us Americans are consuming or just alcohol in general, actually not, yeah, not wine. I mean, it's like, I go like, you know what I want today? I want a freaking Aperol spritz. Oh, now I got to go to BevMo and buy all the things I need for an Aperol <laughs> spritz or whatever the hell, you know, like, cause there's no bar. And I'm like, be like, Oh, you know what I'm feeling? Let's go hit the bar. But it's like, no, I guess the bar is my house. So, so did they, did they open up any of the bars and restaurants at any point and then reclose them? In... Yes, that's what we just did. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, because I, I recently read that, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, they closed bars again, indoor dining, because we had indoor and outdoor, which I haven't been really going anywhere. I've been going to some outdoor places, but indoor still feels a little ooh, to me. But um, yeah, and then like gyms and hair salons and stuff all shut back down. So now in all the Bite Me Bambi videos, you'll get to see like weird quarantine hair again. So that'll be good. Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> Speaking of, um, the specials cover was great. Um, Thank you. That was awesome. And, and I first, when I think, I think it was you posted a selfie uh, promoting that the, the video was going to drop the next day or something. And I'm like looking in the background. I'm like, that looks really familiar. Like that studio looks really familiar. And then, you know, lo and behold, I find out it's like the same studio that Real Big Fish records in and, and all that stuff. Pot of, pot of gold, right? Yeah, good old pot of gold and David Irish. Yeah, he, um, I'm pretty, uh, he's, he's got long, uh, well, not super long, but like slicked back dark hair, right? Yeah, he's kind of like a rockabilly dude. Yeah, and he's kind of, he's like, he's pretty tall. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've I've seen him out on the road with a real big fish before. Yeah, and he does um, live sound for the interrupters a lot. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a good gig. Yeah, Dave's super nice guy, super talented, and his studio is beautiful. So, 
he was nice enough to let us come in and it was the one place where we could socially distance and record. So that's why like Mike, our keyboard player was like in another room yeah. and the drums were in another room. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, Oh, there's enough space to sort of like everybody space out and everything. So it was fun. It was cool. Cause we don't, we don't get to see each other that much. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of nice to be able to spend some time together, just hang out and catch up. Right. Yeah. I bet. Especially after, all these months of, you know, like you said, you had to cancel tours and, and shows and, and all those things. Um, so there's more of these videos planned to kind of keep you guys, you know, tied over, so to speak. Yeah. So we've got um, another one coming out next week and then in sort of the same vein. And then we've got some more covers that we've been working on. Um, and some original music that we're going to try and go in and record. So hopefully can do like a music video and stuff. We're just trying to uh, figure out the safest way possible to get all these things accomplished and the best timing for everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like no one's ever done this before. So it's like, OK, when is the right time? during during a pandemic (laughs) it's very it's very interesting but like i said it's had some cool and interesting opportunities to do you know different sorts of things like you know when we were taking uh like fan request covers on instagram like that was fun like to see what people wanted to hear us play and things like that like it's just it's just neat it's different different kind of fan engagement but it's, it's been fun yeah definitely and and i'm Thank, like you said earlier, thank goodness for the internet, because having to go through this without the internet, I can't imagine what it would be like. Yeah, that would be quite difficult. So I'm at least, you know, feeling lucky that we can still reach everybody and still sort of have our ska community online, which is cool. Yeah. And uh, ska is not dead, just so everyone knows. No, it is not. <laughs> everyone needs to calm down. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I know you've got other things to do today. So, uh, Talina, thank you so much for your time. Um, anything else you want to tease that's coming up? Or obviously, if you want to dish out all the social media handles and stuff like that so people can find you. Yeah. Um, if you want to find Bite Me Bambi, you can follow us on Instagram at Bite Me Bambi. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash bmbscaband. Um, and bitemebambi.com has like sort of all of our information. Um, and then you can follow us on YouTube. That's where we have been posting all of our videos. So, uh, we got lots of fun stuff planned and some ska covers and covers of non-ska songs and original music. And who knows, maybe more strippers will show up. I don't know. We'll see what happens. (laughs) It's quarantine. I got all the wine. Like who knows what's going to happen. I was going to say, you know, there's the, what did you, what did you call it? Titty brunch or, or booby? Titty brunch. Titty brunch. Yeah. I just like, I'm like, man, is that ever going to be a thing anymore? You know? know? I mean, I, I, uh... by the grace of God, we sure hope so. Right. (laughs) Like, oof. Because, you know, like first with, you know, one, because of the pandemic and two, now they're talking about like a cash, uh, cashless society. Everyone keeps talking about that, which I don't. I've been thinking about that. Sorry to cut you off about strip clubs. I was having a conversation with T-Bone Willie the other day about this. Mm -hmm. I was like, do you think you just Venmo the dancers their tips? I'm like, I like that. Like, I scan a QR code, and then while they dance, I could just send them tips via Venmo. And I was, like, really into this idea. I, I mean, think that's what we should do. They, would, they, they could do something like that. And with even, let's say, when the strip clubs do open up, I bet they will have something like that in place. Because the, the government is probably going to say, okay, you can reopen but no cash <laughs> and no lap dances. Like no, I don't foresee lap yeah, dances no happening lap dances. anytime soon. Yeah. I don't think anybody needs that up close and personal <laughs> until we've all been like, everyone's just wearing and power washed. And yeah. Everyone needs to be right. Yeah. Sanitized. There'll be a, oh, there'll be a power washing service. Uh, you have to be power washed before and after you enter the, the strip club yeah like have you ever noticed how gross we were as people and now like that we notice like 
how many germs there are. Like, you know what I mean? Like every mm-hmm. time I touch money, I'm like, oh, it's so dirty. Like, or yeah. every time I like was like, let me open this with my teeth. I'm like, what was wrong with me? This is disgusting. Yes. Like, <laughs> what crosses my mind all the time, I'm always thinking about the scene from The Aviator, the movie about Howard Hughes with Leonardo DiCaprio, um, where they keep showing like flashbacks to Howard Hughes, uh, his childhood to when the, um, there was some type of, you know, pandemic going on. I can't remember if it was the flu or what it was. Um, but you know, he was raised during a a pandemic apparently. And Hmm. so his mom was like super germ conscious. So as growing, he grew up into an adult, apparently being the same way. Apparently, Howard Hughes was was very like um, OCD about germs. So, uh, so I, so I all the kids are going to be germaphobes. That's now. what I'm wondering. Like, I'm thinking <laughs> about that. It's like, so, so does that mean like 20 years from now, when these kids are adults, they're going to be like, they're going to be lunatics with with germs. I mean, know? honestly, is more hand washing bad? At I mean, this it could point? be. I'm like, I mean, maybe. But I don't know. I'm like, hey, just wash your hands. Because you know, there as as good as it is to to you know wash your hands often. Like having dry hands is also very bad. Gotta moisturize, bro. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But not Get everyone that does. Get hand lotion out, man. <laughs> that's me every 20 seconds. Like, yeah. Let's lotion them up that, that sounded weird <laughs> that really sounded dirty but yeah i mean you oh i you hope meant you're gonna it all in that like misleadingly <laughs> like did i say penis anywhere else in this interview like you, you did now that. i mean now i did there we go i just did myself say, now you did i think i think it's complete now you said penis you said titty you said moisturize I you know, um, moisturize is the most offensive of those words. It, I would say so. so. Or if you said like moist, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Moist. Definitely. But no, yeah. There I, you go. I, I, I just prob- lost all those listeners. <laughs> I probably put lotion on my hands like four or five more times a day for, because of the hand washing thing. So I, I do yeah. actually get what you mean without taking it to a dirty place. So yeah. I only take things to dirty places. I'm so sorry. Believe me, I'm guilty of it. I, <laughs> my, I, so during the, during the day, I host a, a morning radio show here in the area I live in. And my co-host that spends just a couple hours of the, the show with me, because I'm on for like four, four or five hours, I annoy the hell out of her because I always say that's what she said. I say it constantly. And it's usually, you know, directed into something that is, you know. Well, you and T-Bone so. Willie have something in common. That <laughs> is now... his favorite phrase. Is it really? Man, yes. I got to have T-Bone on the show now. You should have him on the show and you guys can just, that's what <laughs> she said all day to the chagrin of every member of Bite Me Bambi while we're trying to get something done. Here wow. Comes the, that's what she said. <laughs> Man, I'm seriously, I am just like that. I, I, I lose count how many times a day I yeah, say that's like, what she it said. It used to be his Instagram bio. Uh-huh. Like, that's he's in it man that's what she said well, so, so so what we'll do we'll have t-bone on the show you'll also be back on the show but your job is just to count like who <laughs> like every time he says one and every time i say one oh goodness and then gracious. we have to see who wins at the end of the the podcast that's gonna be quite the fight yeah i know i'm i don't know if I i'm mean, up for it because it like it i'm up against like a ska legend you know so it's like <laughs> What am I going to do? I mean, his name is T-Bone Willie. I don't have a cool name like that, you know. So You just got to, well, you just got to give yourself one now. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm going to work on that now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Talina, thank you so much. This was seriously thank so much you. fun. This was so fun. man that was such a blast thank you so much Tolina, once again for being on pop punk and pizza podcast and thank you to you for joining us as well i am jacques lamore your host make sure you keep in contact with us on facebook twitter instagram they're all at pop punk pizza pod 
And of course, wherever it is that you listen to this podcast, please drop us a nice rating and review, whether that's Apple Music or or not Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, my bad, or Google Play or Google Podcasts, wherever it is, please uh, drop a nice rating and review as well. If you want to support the podcast financially, hit up our brand new merch store. Go to bangerangradio.com forward slash merch, and you can uh, get the uh, two different lines of merch that I just put out, which one is uh, Pop Punk and Pizza Ruined My Life or Pop Punk and Pizza Saved My Life. There's t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, masks, phone cases, and more, all available there at bangerangradio.com forward slash merch. Thank you in advance if you bought something or if you plan on buying something soon. Next week, we are officially hitting the 100th episode of Pop Punk and Pizza, and I can't believe we've made it this far. I can't thank you enough for being a part of it, and you are going to be a part of it if you would like to. Um, whatever it is that uh, you want to share, uh, favorite memory, I should say, whatever your favorite memory is of the podcast, um, if you want to share it, please do so. You can um, leave me a voicemail on our uh, our Google voice number, which is 312. I got to look up the rest of the number because I forgot it. Um, hold on. Give me a sec here. All right. 312. 312- Five two nine zero three three five. So Google Voice number again three one two five two nine zero three three five. Please share your favorite memory memory of the podcast or what your favorite episode was, or if you have any question for for me or uh, about the podcast, or if there's someone you would like to see me get on the podcast in the future. Whatever it is that you want to say, leave me a voicemail at that number. And I will play that back on next week's episode. And also, um, in honor and in celebration of our 100th episode, I'm actually having one of our biggest fans on the podcast. And her name is Marie Hart. And she's going to interview me. And I'm going to interview her, too, I think. We're just going to have fun. We're going to have a party. I'm really looking forward to that. I figured that was one of the best ways we could celebrate hitting our 100th episode is having one of the biggest fans of the podcast, if not the biggest fan, I should probably say that, because she's probably listening right now. Um, But I'm super stoked to have Marie on and ask me all those hard-grilling questions and, and just talk to someone that's literally listened to every single episode of the podcast and that's been here since the beginning. So it's going to be a fun one. If you like Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast on Facebook, you uh, could actually catch us recording it live because I plan on sharing that on our Facebook page. That's actually going to be uh, on July 21st. So which, if you're listening to this before July 21st, that is a Tuesday and it will be in the evening. But if you follow uh, Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast on socials, I'll definitely uh, keep you up to date on when exactly what time that's going to go live on on Facebook for, for that big celebration. So have a wonderful week and can't wait to uh, party with you next week for the big 100. Talk to you then.